Tra-la-la! Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and every possible variation of a poop joke you could think of. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Today we're talking about Captain Underpants colon the first epic movie. And we'll see if there will be a second slightly less epic movie. Um, or what will happen? I don't know. There's going to be a TV series on Netflix. Oh, is that what's happening with it? Yes, because it was done by DreamWorks. So, so it's not, there's not a second epic movie. It's the first epic movie and the first epic TV show. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's going to be the first epic episode followed by the second epic episode followed by the or third. Or the first epic second episode because it's the first time doing a second episode. That's, that's true. It could possibly be that perhaps. Um, so it's, it's a, this is a movie, uh, that happened in 2017. Um, it had previously happened. If you're in the United States, it is now available on Netflix, um, as animated movies from the past year want to do in the early months of the following year. Uh, so you can catch Captain Underpants and the Boss Baby is now on Netflix as well. And probably some other animated movies from last year that were even lower down on my radar. <laughs> I think Trolls is on there now. Oh, really? That's like two years ago, though. Three oh, years it? ago? I don't even know when Trolls happened. I just know they, they, have, already, a new, they have a new JT series, too. JT won an too. Oscar for song. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, because it's a DreamWorks property. That's what they do. We release a movie, then we put it on Netflix, and then we start an animated series on Netflix. Ah, so a 90s Disney phase. Got it. Yeah, except they have Netflix, so instead of going to the Disney Channel or going to uh, ABC, it's just Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. And I think they have six series happening, like bare minimum, that were based on their film properties. There's a lot, and I feel like they come and go. And there's like... I think their better stuff is not based on the film properties. The ones based on the film properties just seem to be like yes, the because, next thing. Yeah, has Voltron. I'm 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 behind DreamWorks's Voltron, but mm-hmm. I I don't know. We'll we'll see what we have here. Have you watched Troll Hunters yet? Uh, I've I've watched the episodes that we've talked about. Oh right, yeah. I keep pushing Troll Hunters and everybody. Like I think this Troll Hunters is the model for like why. DreamWorks should do TV shows for Netflix. Original TV shows for Netflix. Yes, yes. It can be done. Well, it's still based on a book, but you know. Well, I, I mean, not on a previous animated film property. Yes, okay. There Original. Because <laughs> Voltron. We have lots of like asterisks and like the little crosses and the double asterisk and like the little weird equal sign with a vertical slash through it next to this pronunciation. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> Captain Underpants colon the first epic movie based on the novel series um, of the same name. Well, not the first epic movie. That's not the name, but the Captain Underpants series. Um, and How many books are there? I feel like there are about nine different books. Because they've been going since I was in like 
I think the first one came out was like at the end of middle school for me or something. I'm trying to think. Uh, they have. I'm looking it up now. I'm looking it up as well. I'm trying to. So the first one came out in 1997. Okay, really? So that was end of sixth grade for me, right around there. Okay, I was graduating high school. <laughs> and the latest one came out in 2015. So 12 books. Three spinoffs. There are spinoffs? So. This is one of those like children's franchises that I'm just like not really aware of. It's something that I knew about, but again, when it was coming out, I wasn't its target audience. Um, much like the film, I'm not its necessarily its target audience, its direct target audience. Um, I think I get hit in the shrapnel of it here and there, <laughs> but I'm not what they're aiming at. If this is the movie Gravity starring Sandra Bullock, you're getting hit by the second round of things going around the planet. Yes. And your epic escape. Okay, got it. You're, you're right. Yes, exactly. And you're Sandra Bullock in this. And then I'm like George Clooney, but I'm the imaginary George Clooney in your head who's not alive. Yeah, basically. My deus ex Clooney. Yeah. Watch out for underpants. <laughs> um, that was the sound of underpants hitting me. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So anyway. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the nice thing about this is this is one of the most surprising films I've seen in a while in terms of what I thought I was getting and what I actually ended up getting. I don't know how you felt about it, if you had something similar or... I didn't feel like... I was sold a different movie like I did Boss Baby. I felt like I got exactly what I was promised. Although, to be honest, I'm not sure if I've ever seen the trailer for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, oh, they're making a Captain Underpants movie made by DreamWorks. Cool, I know exactly what's going to happen. And then I watched the movie, and I got exactly what I thought was going to happen with the bonus of Nick Kroll as Professor Poopy Pants. Because I like Nick Kroll. Well, so do I. Show. Yeah. Yeah. It works um, well. The the thing that for me was uh, it had what I what I dubbed the Emperor's New Groove syndrome, where it doesn't quite fit into a very specific category because like the the jokes are meta and random and things are well not random in in a way, but they're they're a little bit more um, surreal. And for me, the trailer was, was just bad. It made me, it turned me off because I, I knew that I wasn't who they were trying to get. Um, was it like every DreamWorks movie trailer? Yeah. Yeah. It was a DreamWorks trailer. So I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna love gonna DreamWorks, not that. your trailers. Sorry. <laughs> um, but then watching it, I think I was, we were in it about a couple minutes and I was like, well, this is actually kind of clever. And the more that it went on, the, it got cleverer and cleverer. 
until it started riffing on itself and making a lot more sense um, as to what it was doing. And it was, it's a lot smarter than the idea of what it was, you know, it, it made a little bit more sense. It was, it, it, it turned out to be clever um, mm -hmm. and, and entertaining. And I thought it had a nice um, message at the end, which I thought worked well for me. The whole like, well, we're going to be separated, but we have that friendship that makes us awesome. And if only our principal had a friend too, let's get him a friend. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. I see where this is going. Good job, DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. I, I think they could have been a little bit more explicit or gone a little bit further with it. But I think when you have um, two Jim Halperts from The Office, essentially... To the story of two pranksters who have hearts of gold, um, and then you put them through some things, and then they realize, much like Jim did in you know the final season of The Office, where the best pranks are the pranks for good. So, not to spoilers for the American version of The Office. Um, but it, I don't know. It it's. Do you want to talk about what the story is, and then we can get into the the different things that they use, the different tools that they had at their disposal, and the way they employed and executed on certain things. Yes, but first I have to come down from like my instinctive panic that just happened. Because you talk about The Office, and you have like this thoughtful moment, and it's like, do you want to talk about, and I assume you're going to say, do you want to talk about The Office? And I get this deer in headlight looks of like, ah, oh, I haven't seen The Office, I can't talk about it, ah, oh, which always happens when someone wants to talk about The Office. <laughs> so I'm just having, I'm having my adrenaline like come down from like, oh, okay, it's, it's not The Office, it's still Captain Underpants, we're in a safe space. Um, so Captain Underpants is... I haven't read the first book or any of the books. Um, so again, it speaks to like how close to the source material it is. And I haven't read The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay either, but this feels like The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay for children. It's like, here's the story of two best friends who make up a superhero comic and the lessons they learn along the way. Except one is like American literature on a high pedestal and one is American literature on this low pedestal. And I'm not judging a value on either one. I think perhaps Captain Underpants has reached a wider audience than the adventures of Cavalier and Clay. I said it. Um, <laughs> but they play around with how they tell this story from the minds of these two fourth graders because you have a whole bunch of different styles into how they tell the story and each one encapsulates different parts of a story and different versions of the story. Um, so, of course, you have the animation, just like the standard thing you probably saw in the trailer, if you'd seen the trailer, unlike me. Um, and it's like, hey, here's DreamWorks animation, and it looks like this. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And the subtle thing I think they did well in this particular movie is when they pull their epic pranks that are a little, like, tall tales almost. Like, the animation is a little more surreal and, like, there's more 
whimsical things that happen during a prank or when they're recounting one of their tall tales mm-hmm. versus just the everyday, like, here's us hanging out in the treehouse drawing our comic. Uh, you also get their hand-drawn comic book style to tell their comic story of Captain Underpants. Uh, you get, after the principal rips up their comic, you get the ripped up pieces of paper animated to tell a story. Uh, you have the sock puppet sequence, which I forget everything about the context of sock puppet sequence, except that it's good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the things that stands out. I don't remember why it happens, where in the story it happens, what brings it on. I just remember going, that was brilliant. <laughs> exactly. Like uh, sock puppets. Great. And my, my five-year-old son, Jack, after watching that, he goes, what? <laughs> you can do that? But he was he was laughing hysterically. He's like, what? And I was like, I didn't know you knew the, you know, the trope of saying, what? <laughs> so. It's just instinctual to everyone. It just threw me. But we, we all were thinking the same thing and laughing. But he was the one who actually said it. Uh, I'm trying to think what other storytelling styles they used. They had their fliparama sequence when they're like, we're not going to show the action sequence, but they do they do show the action sequence, but there's just like, here's the toilet, here's the toilet fighting, and they flip back and forth on the pages. Mm-hmm. There's that bit, and there's um, I'm skipping something else. Oh, the knockoff of like the. Disney animated short. What was the the animated short they had a couple years ago where it was like the brain and the organs inside the man's body? Inner workings? Yeah, it's like the inner workings knockoff segment of Captain Underpants where they have the brains of the two kids talking to each other. Mm-hmm. So they had all the different styles, but changes in animation. And... They took a little bit of a cue from the Peanuts movie where they took the trope of, hey, the source material is a 2D drawn thing. So we're going to make the 3D stuff have some of the concepts like movement lines or when character snaps their fingers, you get sound lines coming from their fingers. Um, I think of when the professor is spinning a globe, you get like lines around it spinning, not just it physically spinning, which you can see, but also the movement lines that show, Hey, this is going around. And because that's how it, that's how it would be drawn. So there are a lot of little concepts like that of characters blinking or movement lines, like accenting their, their movements, which is something that the Peanuts movie did really well just to make yeah. you, to make you feel like, Oh, these are characters who belong in 2d. So we're doing this weird hybrid. They didn't go as far as the Peanuts movie, but they took a little bit of, um, of that and just add a little bit of topping to it. And honestly, that's the kind of computer animation that I get excited about in movies now. Cause there's, the style of these 3D animated movies is really diverging and splintering right now. Everyone's finding a way to 
still have a unique style while using computer animation as opposed to like the mid-2000s when everything, if it was a computer animated movie, it didn't matter which studio made it, it looked like a computer animated movie. Yeah. It, it got to the point of, um, I, I think the, the real break came with The Incredibles because mm -hmm. The Incredibles had characters that looked like they were hand-drawn in terms of their shapes. And it wasn't just trying to emulate the real world and try to make something that looks like the real world. It was saying, you know what? We're going to need characters who are acting and the technology is not there to make it photorealistic acting. So let's, let's kind of make it stylized. And I think that it, a lot of people didn't catch on right at that point, but that's one of the movies that I think right in that era that was, no, 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 it's still animation. It's just a different tool. You can embrace being stylized and having a style to it and having a look and having, um, having its own feel to the animation itself. And I didn't think we'd be making this uh, analogy going into this episode, but if The Incredibles is the beginning of that that through line, then Captain Underpants may be ending what The Incredibles started. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not ending. It'll keep going and splintering and evolving and all that good stuff, but we're certainly at a defined point now where Incredibles is more subtle. We're now at a point in animation where you can clearly tell that this is intentional, what they're trying to do, and they're stylizing it. Yes. Yes. So when we look at the film, so it's, if we go story wise, so it, it's really terrific art, um, art wise. When we look at the story, we have, it's a, it's a very simple story, which I like about it because then you can riff on it and play around with the fact about that it is so simple. Um, but you have George and Harold, two friends who make their own comic books, pull lots of pranks at school. They're not the best students. Um, their teachers don't like them. Their principal doesn't like them. And um, the principal is trying to find an excuse to split them up. So they stop causing trouble. Um, much like my son Jack and his friend Milo, when they're oh. when they're not together, they're fine. But when they're together, things just get a little silly, just a little too silly. So you split them apart, and maybe they'll be able to concentrate on what they're supposed to be concentrating on, as opposed to making each other laugh. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so it's hit home for you. It hit home that way. Um, for me, also, this, these are kids in fourth grade, and I start to think back to where I was in fourth grade um, and getting in trouble for things. Um, I remember expressly in third grade, though, my desk was moved away from everyone else's um, our, our classroom was set up in fours. So you'd have 
two students side by side and then another two students facing them side by side to make, you know, clusters of four desks. Um, and my desk was often in a corner by itself. <laughs> Did you get in trouble in school a lot as a kid? I don't remember being in trouble. I remember being a really good student, but I also remember not being a really good student. So I don't, I don't know what is the lie and what is the truth. Because <laughs> I do remember Mrs. Solace, my third year, third grade teacher, um, calling me a social butterfly. And I do remember sitting by myself a lot. So I don't think I was ever mean spirited, but I also was very unfocused. Okay. So hmm. I don't know. Uh, and would fourth grade you have liked this movie? I think so. I think fourth grade me would have really liked it. Um, which I think the the audience for this film is anyone in elementary school. Um, I would say kindergarten through like sixth grade, fifth grade, you know. That's the audience that they're going for. They're going for the, the kids who enjoy the novels. Um, one, I was reading one review of it, and they <laughs> they related to it like the, the Coen brothers writing um, No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Which no is, Country for Old Men again? I don't know why, but here, let me, let me explain this. We just talked about this last episode. I know. But let me explain what this is what somebody else wrote. Um, Chris, not everything can be the no country for old men of animation. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about in terms of adaptation. When you read, um, I, I went when No Country for Old Men came out, I was reading the books and watching the movies, like changing up whether I read the movie, you know, read the book first and watched the movie. Or then I watched the movie and then read the book. So I watched the movie first, and then I read the book and realized that it was one of those rare cases where every beat from the book is in the movie almost unchanged. It's like 99% of the book is actually in the movie, hmm. which is crazy, like almost word for word. And then I, I read an interview with the Coen brothers and they said like, well, what was writing like, you know, how did you work together? And like, well, one of us held the book open and the other one typed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, Cause that's what it felt like watching that movie. It felt like they're just typing it in and it's like, yeah, one of us held the book open the other one, the other one of us typed. Um, and in a lot of ways, I could see they, they talked about going to the source material and trying to evoke that and knowing that, yes, people are going to have problems with the movie because people have problems with the book. People say the books are too juvenile. They're inappropriate for kids. Language is inappropriate. Like I, I read something that talked about these books being one of the most complained you know, the books with the most complaints. Yeah, from, it's like from banned his office to kill a mockingbird now or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then they knew that, you know what? 
we're going to go for the target audience. And if we get more people, then that's great. And for being as low budget as they had for this film, I think it was 38 million. It was really small shoestring DreamWorks budget. I think even DreamWorks wasn't doing it through their regular production studio. I think they had somebody else doing it. <laughs> you guys do this one. Um, they should, <laughs> they should probably do that more often, but um, <laughs> just saying, but they, they, it was really successful because I think they hit it um, right on the head. They went straight for their target audience and they made a movie that was enjoyable for them. Yeah. Um, I talked to a friend of mine and he said his two kids were riveted the whole time. They loved it the whole time. And Jack was enjoying it the whole time. So it's like they knew who they were writing a movie for and they went for it. And he didn't get all the jokes because thankfully there were jokes for adults and jokes for writers and, you know, those in jokes were there too, but it was about 90% for the kids and that's what they went for. Yeah. And while this movie, I don't, I don't feel like delivers anything life changing. I don't think they missed any character or emotional moments either. Hmm. If you know what I mean. I think so. We could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, like I, I just feel like they hit, they hit all the right heartstrings with the friendship of the kids, um, with the principal, and then wanting to empathize empathize with the principal after just having a stereotypical like fourth grader relationship with their principal at the beginning. Um, I don't think that they missed any opportunities to do something special. Hmm. And based on where they're coming from and their target audience and the source material, like there's nothing missing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not for me as a human, um, <laughs> but they did good. And I think one thing, I mean, you could tell in the humor who it's for. Um, Jack was laughing Basically the whole film, the whole time he was, he was laughing. I think he was confused by the beginning, <laughs> which is told in comic book panels. They're like DreamWorks studios presents. And then they go through this origin story of captain underpants, but it looks like a fourth grade drawn comic book. And then they're like, yeah, it's the first issue of it's the origin story. It's this comic book. And then I was like, well, why would DreamWorks produce a comic book? Like, what are you talking about? Like, make your movie. <laughs> Don't make it a comic <laughs> book and say DreamWorks, because now you pulled me out of it. But no, I, I disagree. I think the beginning works because it... The whole emotional core of the movie is that these two friends have a friendship based around making these comics. And it's meant to look like something that... Um, the target audience watching this movie may have made themselves and has probably made themselves. The, and the, just to make you think about your own comic and your friendship about that. The only thing that took me out of it was the statement, DreamWorks Animation Studios presents. Oh, uh, it's it's DreamWorks. It's going to be weirdly meta and kind I of know. half work. Yeah, I know. I had no problem with the opening 
other than that sentence. Like, honestly, it was perfect, except for that. Um, <laughs> also, it was weird that, so it was 20th Century Fox produced as well, but they tried to, they had the characters sing and hum the DreamWorks song, which no one knows the DreamWorks song. Everyone knows the 20th Century Fox thing. Why weren't they singing that? Why were they trying to sing that song that plays while the kid is fishing in the stars? Threw me off. I no, I know that. Everyone knows that song. Do 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 do. You can't emulate it well. You can't emulate it as well as the Fox song. But okay, it's the DreamWorks theme song. The. The thing that works with the let's let's go back to talk about the humor, I guess. <laughs> the, Fine. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not trying to have a fight with you, Mackenzie. About the theme song from DreamWorks. Because <laughs> I I can sort of hear it, but I know I wouldn't be able to ever sing it. Um, I just think of the Shrek movies and how they begin. I I can honestly say I never think about that. Um, <laughs> no, now I'm trying to have a fight with you. <laughs> trigger, trigger. You're trying to trigger me. He said the S word. Shrek. Stop it. Uh, it's bad anyway, enough that we're talking about DreamWorks. You have to say Shrek. So the humor in Captain Underpants. Is it earned? Is it well done? The, the thing that throws me, not throws me, but the thing that works for it is its tempo as far as humor it never takes a breath which means that it doesn't wait for a joke not to work it just keeps moving on to the next one or the next moment and the couple things that do fall flat they don't rest on it they just they're just moving forward it's just like yeah and then whatever sticks sticks and whatever doesn't stick then it's fine they're they're moving on to the next thing so sometimes it does feel like the movie is rushed through story just to get to the next silly thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we're in and out of narration for the first 15 minutes. And it just gets a little lost as to we're getting narration about the Captain Underpants origin story. Now we're in the story, but now we're getting narration about who they are and what they do. Now we're getting narration about their first time that they met each other. And then we're getting narration back to, it was it's like, wait a minute, you have to settle on something. Tell me about today. Cause I don't know what's happening. Like I don't need to, I mean, I sort of have to know what happened in kindergarten to see the first thing that they laughed at, but I kind of don't need it told in the way that they told it. Yeah, like, I kind of wish it started with that. Like, kindergarten story, and then smash cut to them making the comics as, like, the DreamWorks opening sequence. Mm-hmm. I it, wanted things in order. Yeah, it, it... It was too much talking to me. Because then that sort of fell away, and then it came back, and then it fell away, and then it came back, it's like... Are you guys the narrators or are you the main characters? And uh, you can be both, sure, but I feel like whenever they were a narrator, they weren't giving me anything 
stronger. They were just like, well, you have to know this, so we're going to have a narrator come in and tell you. Which pulls it into, uh, you know, I made a reference to Emperor's New Groove before. It feels very much Emperor's New Groove. Let's stop the story and let me tell you this important thing. But they spent so much more time going back over something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't It wasn't the quick, don't forget, I'm here in the bag. But the story's about me, not him. Okay, great. Moving on. Like, like see, now you have me thinking, because like I was prepared to like hate on narration as like a crutch of studio executives who don't think kids are gonna get a movie. But the Emperor's New Groove does it, you're totally right. And I love that movie. <laughs> and I think that it works in Emperor's New Groove for me because it's a character driven storytelling. Yes. And it's the main character wanting to get something from, I think the arc of Emperor Cusco in the movie is to try and get something from everyone around him at the beginning, which includes the audience. (laughs) And when that falls away, it's when the moment happens where you realize he's not trying to get something from everyone in the world, including the audience, just from one or two people. He doesn't need to be the center of everyone's world. And here it just feels like it's, a lot of narration because studio executives got nervous and had to explain things. And this is yeah. why we're friends. And this is why we do things. And this is what we're like. And this is who this person is. And this is what we do. Oh, I thought you were saying this is why we're friends because we both hate on narration like this. No, no, no. Hey, remember that first time that we, <laughs> I don't know. It, I, the narration fell flat because it, it it just didn't work. The the other times where we got pulled out of the main narrative by their imaginations, that worked. Mm-hmm. And if maybe if they weren't talking to me, maybe it'd be a different. You know, maybe if they were talking to each other, to each other, or another story, or if we got the surprise about what they originally laughed at at the end you know, of when they first met Mm -hmm. because then it's the end of their friendship because they can't laugh. So it's like the threat of the end of their friendship. So their brains go to the very first time they met. And then we figured out what the joke was as opposed to it just being a callback to the joke before. I don't know if that works. I don't know if it works, but the way that we found out in the beginning doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a long skid in terms of like the tempo, which works most of the time. It's like, now we're going to tell you this thing. And it takes like too long to tell it. And, um, much like most underpants, it did leave skid marks. Wow. Hashtag not all underpants. Not all. Uh, I also kind of wanted, you're really amused at that for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I also really wanted the first thing they laughed at to be something more original. And I'm sure for their target audience, like this may be the first time that they're hearing this joke. But as an adult, you're like that, that's the thing. At least be something like original. Like other kids in the class are going to laugh at this too. It's Uranus. Okay. It's funny. It's funny like once. 
and then it's done. So apparently this morning on the way to school, uh, my son Jack asked my wife, like, how's your head? And she's like, it's fine. How are your shoulders? She's like, they're, f- they're fine. How's your back? It's okay. And he goes, how's Uranus? <laughs> and she said, what? And he's like, I'm just talking about planets. See, that's funny because I'm imagining Jack saying it. It's not funny because of the actual word play. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, and then she's like, what? What is Uranus? Like, what do you know what that is? He's like, yeah, it's it's one of the planets in our solar system. It's on its side. She's like, is there anything else about Uranus? It's like, it's just, and he's like, I forget what he said. It's it's the planet that that poops your pants, which is the punchline what? that is a punchline that he uses a lot, which is poop your pants, <laughs> and it just happened to be really apt. <laughs> Because he's like, it's just the planet. He doesn't understand the joke behind Uranus. He just thinks that's funny. It's like, yeah, I know about that planet. Because we quizzed him a lot, and he doesn't know about the body part. He just thinks they were saying Uranus because that's funny. And I (laughs) said, Jack, can you tell me about Uranus? He's like, it's very colorful. (laughs) Rochelle and I were laughing and I'm like what have we done (laughs) I think there's a whole like you can set up a whole Twitter account for like responses my five year old son has said to what's Uranus what's Uranus Uh, tell me about Uranus son well (laughs) it's on its side Uh, (laughs) anyway it's just yeah I don't know some some, yeah. some kid is going to tell him next year and he's going to be like, oh, he's going to have to. You don't remember. It's fine. I know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I wanted some kind of like, I think the funniest Uranus joke to me, and even if they stuck to Uranus in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> there has to be some new twist on why Uranus instead of just like, it's funny because it's Uranus. Uh I think the funniest Uranus joke ever told is still the Futurama one. Like, no, Fry, they changed it because everyone kept making fun of its name. What is it now? Eurectum. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's a funny Uranus joke because it takes your expectation, it chides you for it, and then immediately does the exact same joke. (laughs) Exact same joke. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted something like that here. I wanted something more unique. That's what I was left wanting but in did Uranus. It, <laughs> you wanted Uranus to be a little bit more unique. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've seen this Uranus before. <laughs> Still kid-appropriate podcast, just saying. It is. It is. We're family-friendly here. <laughs> and Uranus, unlike Pluto, is part of the family. So, yes, um, <laughs> it does feel like the movie, and I mean, this is a compliment. It does, <laughs> it does feel like this movie was written by a fourth grader um, because it sets off that this movie was created by the two main characters, as George and Harold are creating this film. 
And it does feel like that. I mean, in terms of the plot and the, the science teacher turning out to be, no, 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 not turning out to be, but turning out to become the villain. Um, mm -hmm. They give him the idea to create, to become the villain, which I think if they did for the superhero in terms of those flips and turns and reinventions and playing on the trope, if they had done that for the humor, that's probably what you're, what you're feeling because the trope of creating somebody to be the superhero, the way that they created that. And I do appreciate all their commenting on it. I think there's the joke about like, wow, he really does get superpowers. I didn't, you know, I didn't see that one coming and it's, <laughs> yes, a exactly. it's an obvious trope, but I didn't see it coming. Like that kind of thing. Those were the biggest laughs for me. Yeah. That and I think for me, the best joke or the best, the most real joke was uh, dissecting the child brain because those were just a little too real. Oh yeah. I felt like that's something my aunt has said to me and she's probably listening. Hi, Stephanie. I feel like that's <laughs> something my aunt used to do with like making up nonsense names for body parts. And it's hilarious as a kid. And you're completely right. You put the words into my brain. Like that is something that I wanted of this movie because a lot of the superhero and supervillain plots like come together so nicely and in such like uh, uh, an earned way that I wanted the humor to kind of come together and be as complex as that plot, mm -hmm. but still like appealing to fourth graders. You could still have complex poop jokes. It can be done. <laughs> I believe in the ability of the animation industry to tell a new poop joke. And they tried because they, the fact that they, the idea of professor poopy pants, um, that that's his name. And he wants to eradicate laughter because he's tired of people laughing at him. He's a genius and he's solved world hunger because he has the, you know, the invention that can grow things or shrink things. Um, but the fact that he wants to get rid of laughter has a way to do it. And the thing that's going to save them is being able to laugh. So they're like, think of something, think of something. You know, it can't be potty humor as they're fighting a giant toilet, which is funny in its own level. But like think about this it's like no but that's that's the lowest form of comedy that's and they keep saying like that that's the lowest form that's the easy joke it can't be the easy joke and it's like thank you for calling attention to it and then they make a really ah uh, i don't easy know joke. easy joke about the the his name is even longer and it's even more you will rule the day you crossed Professor Pee Pee Diarrhea Poopy Pants. Yeah. It's like, wait, your name is... <sighs> it's just so bad. Yeah. I mean, there, there, it is a... In some ways, the poop jokes are earned because of its fourth graders trying to make themselves laugh. And... You know, and it's a desperate need to laugh to save themselves. 
<laughs> Take right. my fourth greatest as a whole of the characters in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm, we're about to pitch like a Werner Herzog narrated fourth grader documentary. <laughs> in a desperate need to save themselves, they must laugh at the poop humor. Ah, <laughs> oh, so yeah. I, I, in the end, it was their laughter and their friendship, the original friendship that brought them and saved them. <laughs> but what, what's interesting about it is, I mean, they, they do make the other kids laugh. They do share their comic with everybody. And there's, as you were saying, there's that leaning towards the principal to, Let's get him a friend. Mm -hmm. Let's do pranks for good. But they're still making fun of all their teachers and doing some stuff. And I'm just wondering about, and I know that it's fourth graders. And that's what they do is you make fun of your teachers. There's just something that felt unfinished with the message. Or I don't know if it's because everything in that tempo was just moving and moving and moving. We didn't have a time set aside for to sit with the characters. And I think we talked about this when we talked about like Storks and some of those other films where it's like, just shut up for a minute and have a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think the, the, the time that we got was so short of them feeling sad. And I think it happens there's still 30 minutes left and most of that 30 minutes is filled up with action sequence. And it's like, where, where can we get a little bit more of that character, that decision making? And I think maybe that's what I'm missing. It happened, but I'm wondering if it was just so quick that I don't know. Yeah. And they didn't really learn anything. It's like, well, we're out of this mess, and now we've changed his characters for some reason. Yeah. There wasn't... And I guess that's the thing. There's nothing in... And I, I know this is a total trope, and I'm not saying this is formulaic and should be like this, but usually the hero learns something or gains something and uses what they've gained or learned to defeat the villain. And it's in, it's in taking what they've learned, what's new, what's different about them, is the thing that helps them stop what they couldn't stop before. And I know that's a total trope. And I know that's... No. A, but I think there's something true to that, that here's the person who wants to eradicate laughter... I, I'm going to disagree because I think that is in this movie. It doesn't mean I like it, but it's in this movie. And it's the fact that they're learning that easy potty humor is okay. It's not, they're not learning that, but they're like... Their friendship is based on dumb fourth grader things like that. And that's okay for them to laugh at that kind of stuff. And that's what saves them. It's like everyone telling them to be separate, be responsible, uh, grow up, don't play pranks, like have a better sense of humor. And ultimately, their immature selves is what saves the day. So it's kind of like learning to value themselves. And again, I'm not saying that I like it. 
in this movie. I think that you could make stronger choices, but I, what you're talking about wanting, I think, is in Captain Underpants, colon, the first epic movie. It's just not satisfying to me, an adult. Yeah, exactly. I see. So my adult self is reacting against it. And I think it's something... I don't, I don't know if a movie has to have it. You know, if your main demographic is elementary school kids, if you have to have that. But I feel like you can go a little deeper with character. I think it's playing it safe. And I, and not knowing the, the original source material, I don't know what's in there, and I don't know how they did. I do know that the principal doesn't get superpowers until the third book. So, you know, they, I know they're playing with oh. things in a certain way. Interesting. So, I, I just think it's... I feel like there's... I don't know. There was something for me that was that was missing at the end. I was still satisfied with the story in terms of being entertained. And I'm not saying that you can't have a story that's just for entertainment's sake. Because Jack had a good time and I wouldn't mind watching it again because Professor Poopy Pants um, was pretty hilarious. Like almost everything that he said was gold. Mm -hmm. Little gold nuggets. Like I, I quoted, I quoted it at dinner. Um, <laughs> because, uh, I said, Jack said something to me about, um, me being the best dad or something. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, Oh, we have a grade a suck up. That's good to know. That's good to know. So tell me, uh, for the entire Captain Underpants Cold in the first epic movie, did you have a favorite thing? I think for me, it has to be the sock puppet sequence because it was just something that was different from everything else. It was a story point. Um, it, it, was ridiculous and it was just so dynamic. It was so different from something that I was expecting out of that movie. That was the first really strong thing of, okay, this is not like something I was expecting to get from this. This is, this is smart. This is funny. This is great. Like, I want to watch that again. What about for you? For me, it was the the poopy pants, like snappy clap back of, oh, really, Oprah? Is that my problem? Which isn't really particularly original either, but it just was timed so well and delivered so well by Nick Kroll. I'm like, okay, this, this joke I like. Listen, your problem isn't that people laugh at you. Your problem is that you can't laugh at yourself. Oh, really, Oprah? Is that my problem? Well, your problem is this. Yeah. It's not original. It's not the best, but the delivery and the timing hits that one. On the whole, it's a movie that um, you can watch with your kids. Um, and 
I'm sure if you watch it more than once, you'll catch more things because it, it goes by very fast. So yeah, whether I would let Jack just sit and watch it by himself over and over, I don't know if I'd go that far because he might start getting really into Uranus jokes. Mm. And I don't think I want that. I don't think anybody does. Nobody wants Uranus jokes on that <sighs> on that level. Um, wow. Okay. So, in conclusion, Captain Underpants is a movie of contrast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Check it out, or not. It's up to you. Up to you. <laughs> <laughs> For next time, we're going to compare and contrast two other, well, not other, but two shows of contrast. Um, for, I think, the very first time on Raiders Get Animated, we're going to talk about uh, the elephant that sits in the room for five minutes trying to be funny but isn't actually that funny. Uh, Family Guy, and <laughs> its 300th episode. Uh, season 16, episode 11, Dog Bites Bear, which just aired. And we're going to compare that to the Simpsons episode intended as a 300th episode. The 300th one they made, but not the 300th one aired. Uh, season 14, episode 11. Huh, episode 11. Uh, Barting Over. And where has each show made it in 300 episodes? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that, as we've researched, because we were wondering if there were others, um, because it's a big thing to hit 300, we were looking to see if any other shows had hit. And so far, um, only in anime <laughs> have other animated shows ended up at 300 episodes. Um, South Park, which many people will probably be like, whoa, what about South Park? South Park hits their 300th episode um, in the year um, next, so 2019. I don't know. You're going to make us do math? <laughs> the next year, 2019. Writers get animated, not mathematicians get podcasty. <laughs> so um, it, it's just interesting to see because 300 is a big number. It's a big it's a number. Lot. It's, a, it's lot. a lot of... Uh... Arguably, at that point in both those shows' existence, more poop jokes than Captain Underpants. That's probably true. Mm -hmm. We have no way of finding out, but that's probably Someone true. Someone can count them. I'm sure we have one dedicated <laughs> fan who will listen to all 300 episodes of Simpsons before next week and give us a tally. <laughs> poop jokes. Doom, doom. Uh... As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to our um, theme musician, Jacob Reed. You can find us on the web. Comment at us at WG Animated on the Twitters. Um, you can check out show notes and links to all things we've talked about on writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. It helps other people find us and learn about us and enjoy us. And we hope you join us next time. 
Tra la la. Good night, everybody.